0: It's good to be with you all this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter five, uh, verse thirteen. And I apologize, apologize if I seem a little tired out of it. I actually just came back from a retreat for another youth ministry uh, this weekend, and it was all the way in Murrieta. Have you guys ever been to Murrieta? Yeah, it is really hot out there, and so I did not want to leave the building, but um, a lot, all of our places were like walk, like really long walking distances, and so you had to walk in the heat. So that was really fun, but, uh, uh, but it's a joy to be with you all this morning. Um, as you all saw earlier in the illustration with the children's message, you know, obviously I had these saltine crackers uh, up in the front, and... I was hoping at least one of them would be really salty. I, I even tried a couple this morning to make sure, but uh, I guess they all tasted all bland and the same. And so, But uh, the whole point of that illustration was, um, you know, whenever we add anything, to any salt to any of our food, we automatically know it makes a huge difference. There's so much taste and flavor and, you know, we all have food that was bland, tastes like cardboard maybe even. And so salt has such value in terms of when it comes to food. And the reason why I'm even sharing, this, uh, sharing that this morning is that we just read a passage in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus calls the, his people the salt of the earth. And so to give a little context, Jesus is actually coming back from the city of Galilee. He's been doing his ministry, preaching his word, healing the sick. And there's a huge crowd that just started to follow him, saying, who is this man who is doing these miracles, who's teaching the word of God with such authority? Who is this man? And so there's this huge crowd just following him, wondering where he's going to go. And Jesus sees this crowd, and the first thing he does, he goes up to the mountain and starts teaching the word of God to them. And one of the things that he shares with them is that you are the salt of the earth. And notice that when Jesus says that you are the salt of the earth, he's talking about you as an identity, who you are. Not doing something, but who you are. And so what I first want to say is being the salt is not something we do, but who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. It's who you are. And many times when we hear about being the salt of the earth, we think many times it's about going on mission, going overseas to a third world country, sharing the good news of Jesus there. But my focus this morning, I want to focus somewhere else. My question for us is, what does it look like to be the salt in our culture today? In our American culture today, what does it mean for us as Christians to engage culture? In our schools, at your workplaces, your community, your family, different people with different ideas, beliefs. What does it mean for you to be the salt of the earth in our culture today? And to be honest, we live in a very crucial and a very scary time. A lot of people come with different ideas we i don't think christians are very uh are seen in a very great light these days we have many issues with things like politics with social justice things with lgbtq all these questions all these things that we need to really think about as it comes to our beliefs and we live in a time where we really need to just stand firm but at the same time live out our faith And so when Jesus is saying to this crowd, you are the salt of the the earth, I think many times when we read it, it can be so easily just looked over and just simply read without any meaning to it. And so I just want to give us a little context of what Jesus may be saying. Back in Jesus's time, actually, did you know that salt was actually something of great value? It was one of a one of the greatest values, a very valuable commodity? Did you know that an ounce of salt was actually worth the same as an ounce of silver? So if someone had come up to you and said, hey, I see that nice block of silver you have, I'll trade you for my ounce of salt. And people will say that will be an equal trade. Did you also know that the word salary, we all receive a salary before the word salary actually comes from the word salt. Many times Roman soldiers, instead of being paid with a wage, with money, they'll be paid with salt. And they will think this is a great pay. As we talked about earlier, you know, they didn't have any refrigeration system. They don't have nice refrigerators and freezers. So what do they do when they have a nice piece of meat, food that they need to preserve? They use salt. That was the way they needed to preserve their food. Also, it was a flavor enhancer, make your food taste good. So this idea of salt is supposed to signify usefulness, importance, significance, value, worth. And Jesus was telling these groups of people, you are the salt of the earth. He's saying you have value, you, have, you are precious, and you've been given a gift which is the gospel, a precious gift. And we are to give, have this gift and be a preserving influence in our culture, to make an impact in our culture, to be a godly influence and bring goodness into our culture. And I really believe that's what Jesus is saying as the salt of the earth. But how does that look like today? I think many times it's so easy to be comfortable in church, whether it be in our churches, our families, our inner circles, it's easy to be comfortable. But yet when we step outside of church, when we go back to the real world, we recognize we live in such a different time. We still live in, such, in a different world. We live in a culture where faith is very irrelevant. We, we have moved away from traditional evangelistic Christian beliefs, And many times our culture is more interested in the secular, the relevant, the inclusive. You have things like politics, social justice, gay marriage. We even have things like popular culture. Things with social media, movies, Netflix, brands, clothing, phrases. This is our culture that we live in today. And many times we're wrestling with where do I stand as a Christian and what I believe in in our culture. And so what does it mean for a Christian to engage culture? I simply believe that engaging culture is simply this, is that we are knowing and building relationships with people, with the people of today. And we're putting ourselves out there to know the language, the values, the ideas, ideals of the people in our culture. And ultimately in the end, We're we're being able to speak a language where we can culturally contextualize. We're building relationships with people. We're understanding what they talk about, what they believe in, what their values are. And that is for us as Christians. We want to engage culture. That's how we engage culture. But I think many times instead of engaging culture, we tend to disengage from it. We tend to run away from it. Step back from it. And so I kind of want to illustrate it this way. Um, I know we're, like, a little older. I actually gave this, uh, shared this with the students once, but I just want to get a show of hands. How many of us actually know what a meme is? Yes. Oh, okay, not that bad. Okay, you guys know what, uh, all the young people. Yeah, okay. Well, for all those who don't know what a meme is, a meme is actually, like, a humorous quote or an image. Uh, it's kind of, like, on the Internet. kind of shares, like, funny quotes and images. And so... I was actually on uh, the internet, and I was watching this video called Dank Christian Memes. I was like, I want to see what people talk about Christian humor and whatnot. And so I was looking at it, and I thought some of them were kind of hilarious. And so I thought I'd show you some this morning. And so if we can get that on the screen. Uh, There's one. It says... I have a plan for your life and what it feels like, and we're probably one of those kids just like on a roller coaster, kind of freaking out, like what's going on, right? And But we know God has a plan, but it's, it's like, a, like a roller coaster ride. We have one more, and it says, when you've only been dating for two years, six months, and 27 days, and she, she tries to hug you, be gone, unholy demon, in the name of our Lord, thou shall not tempt me. Right? It's kind of very silly, we kind of laugh at that, Um, and I was laughing at that, but the interesting thing was, is when I was reading reading these memes, especially this last one we talked about just be gone, I think even though we find it funny, I think a lot of times in our culture that's how people see Christians, that Christians are a group, a clique that just divides itself and separates itself from everything that's unholy. Unholy, I'm out of here. I'm going to step away. Be away from all those things. I don't want anything to do with you. And we tend to make this secular and sacred divide. We, We pick what's good, what's bad, what's unholy, and holy, what's good for us. And I think many times, too, those who want to find faith, who want to learn more about Jesus... When they come to church, they just think, man, I just don't feel like I really fit in because I just don't, I feel like there's like the separation from people. Like people just don't want to deal with me because of where I come from. So instead of engaging culture, we isolate ourselves, we reject culture, we want no part of it, we stay away. And what we do is we create a bubble in a place where it just becomes so comfortable being with people like you and me where we're just comfortable and where everything's okay but if you read in verse 13 jesus says if salt has lost its taste how shall its saltiness be restored it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet so jesus is saying salt without taste is useless And in the same way, faith without works is dead. It's so easy for us to say we're Christians, we love you, we welcome you, yet at the same time, we don't show that through our actions. It's just empty words. And yet sometimes we reject going into the places that God has called us to go. We say things like, God, I will follow you to the ends of the earth, and he's telling you, why don't you reach out to that one person? Ah, that's okay. Maybe some other time. We say a lot, but I wonder if we actually live it out and put it to practice. Uh, a quote I want to read for us is that it says, Rejecting then means cutting ourselves off from the contact with the people we, who need to hear about Jesus. When we reject, we're cutting ourselves off from contact with the people who need to hear about Jesus, who need to know about Jesus, who need to feel the love and be shown the love of Jesus. We cut ourselves off. And I wonder, is that the call for us as the salt of the earth? Is that really the call that Jesus gives us? And I think one of the practical things that we as Christians really do poorly in our culture is simply learning to have a conversation. We really stink at having a conversation outside of church. We, when we meet people outside in culture, we focus more on converting people, speaking Christianese, right? As soon as some idea that's different from ours comes up, our guard gets up, we get defensive and start trying to argue. And we forget that it's not really about converting, it's about building relationships, lasting relationships so that through them we can show them the love of Jesus Christ. And so my thing is we need to talk to people, Talk to people within culture. Talk to people who don't have the same beliefs as you, who have different ideals. Talk to them. Be interested in what they talk about. Be interested in their desires, their values, and ideas. This is what it means to walk as a salt. We need to engage culture in this way. And I think the main reason why we don't want to engage culture is because we ourselves are very scared. It's very terrifying to engage culture. It makes us feel uncomfortable. Instead of building relationships, we're very just quick to pull the trigger and just tell them about how they're sinners or like you don't know this Bible verse or whatnot, right? We feel like engaging culture will corrupt us. It'll mess up our good vibes. We just, in the end, just want to stay comfortable that. And so what we do, we stay in a safe place. Like I said, a bubble, a click, where we can just stay comfortable. Um, back when I was in college, uh, I used to work at a boba shop. How many of you guys know what boba is? Yeah, they're like bubble tea. Like, it's like those little tapioca balls with smoothings and stuff. Uh, but I used to work at a boba shop back in college. And this was pretty, I think this was one of the uh, things I'm very thankful for. Uh, because in college, all I knew was church. I grew up in a youth group. I went to church, stayed within my Christian friends circle. But then when I actually got this job, even at a bubble shop, I got to be with people who didn't, who were not all Christians. They talked about different things, believed in different things, were interested in different things. And so it put me in a very uncomfortable place where I really need to be outside my bubble and I remember one time I was just talking with, uh, I was just working with a couple of coworkers and some of them were talking about, hey, are you going to go to this event called LED? Uh, for those who don't know, LED is actually an electronic dance rave concert. And so uh, some of you guys may know what that is, right? You go to like a big field area and people dance to like electronic music. Usually sometimes there's drugs and alcohol involved, right? Um, but they're talking about going to this, led concert and i was just overhearing them and one of the co-workers was like hey are you gonna go are you gonna go jess are you gonna go and i didn't not i didn't know what she was talking about all i knew was chris tomlin and church concerts and i was like uh yeah i think i'll go but i should have lied to her i shouldn't have done that but the funny thing was even though i responded that way she looked at me and said hey you don't even know what this is huh I was like, yeah, uh, no, I don't know what this is. <laughs> and even though, like, all my coworkers are like, oh, you know, like, yeah, whatever, you know. You don't know what this is. You know, you can go about your day. But that really bothered me. At the, I remember just thinking about that conversation on the way home. Like, why did this bother me so much? And I realized is that if I called to live for Jesus, show the love of Jesus, share the love of Jesus, share his word. How am I supposed to do that when I don't know my audience? I don't know the people I'm trying to build relationships with. And sometimes I realize, man, am I myself just very ignorant just to be safe myself and not really engage where people are? And so my question, I have a, my question, sometimes I thought is, how are we to make an impact in the world if we don't know the world we live in? How can we say we're going to make an impact in the world yet we don't know the world we live in? Again, what use is salt if we don't use it? How can there be an impact if there's no use? Salt in itself is good, but if it's not put to use, it's useless. It's like saying, you're telling me, hey, I want to show you a good song. I've been listening to this awesome song. I want to share with you this good song. And I'm like, okay. And then you turn it on and right after you press mute. And then you ask me, how was it? And I'm like, I didn't hear anything. I didn't know what you're talking about. That's kind of sim- similarly what this is. And so what do we do now? How do we engage culture? And so if you have your Bibles, we actually read in Mark chapter 2. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2. And I believe this is kind of a practical illustration of how Jesus engaged culture. How did Jesus engage culture? And I'm going to read this for us, verse 15. And as he reclined at table in his house... Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. So, back in the day, if you were to be invited to a dinner, that was a very special occasion. If you are a guest of honor, people wanted to appreciate you, show you kindness, they thought you were somebody. And who do we see that Jesus is eating with? He's eating with not the most prestigious religious people. He's eating with tax collectors and sinners. And the important thing we need to understand about this is that back in those days, who you associated with really made a made you uh, really di- uh, dictated your reputation. So many times, religious leaders. They would not sit or eat or associate with tax collectors and sinners. Many of them thought if they did, their reputation would be over and their covenant with God will be disrupted. They just didn't want to associate with people. It's kind of like when you're back in high school, you have different cliques. You have the jocks, right? You have the people who are really smart, right? And... It's like if you were to step out of your circle and hang out with different people outside your clique, people would look at you differently. Like, why are you eating with them? Why are you hanging out with them? Why are you even spending time with them? And this is kind of like what's happening right here. But yet at the same time, who is the one eating with these tax collectors and sinners? It is Jesus. Jesus sits with them, eats with them. And I know when we read this passage, it seems very simple, But when I read this, I want to believe, wow, I think Jesus was a really fun guy. Sometimes we think Jesus is very like, you know, like Star Trek, like Spock, like just knowledge, he just spits knowledge in very monotone, like he's just boring. But I want to think if he's spending time eating dinner with these people, he must have really been a fun guy to hang out with, you know? Like I I sometimes wonder, this is just me, I sometimes wonder what kind of jokes Jesus would say. Like what would you say to Jesus and make him laugh? Like, I think if I ever told Jesus a joke and he laughed at it, I'll be like, wow, you know, I just accomplished all my goals in life if I made Jesus laugh, right? Like, he must have been a very fun guy to be with. But yet, as he's spending time with these people, you notice that it doesn't say he just tried to speak to them, convert them. I want to believe that he's actually engaging them building relationships with them, spending time with them to get to know them. Yes, Jesus had a goal in mind, but he saw that there were people in needing of relationships and engagement. And we see later on in verse 16 who ends up showing up. It says, And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? See, when we think of Christians and religious people, we think of people who are devoted to God. Especially us as Christians, we want to show the love of God. People see this supposedly see us in this way. Yet when we see in this passage, you see these religious people, yet they tend to t- doubt, they ask questions. They're wondering, why are you associating with these people? Why is your teacher spending time with them? And what they do is reject culture, reject the people, thinking that they're going to be safe, they will be comfortable where they are. And so in verse 17, Jesus overhears them, and Jesus being God, he did not disengage, but he said he engages. He says, in verse 17, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. And so Jesus being God socializes. He spends time, engages, builds relationships. That's what Jesus is doing in this passage. And for us, we ourselves have received the gift of the gospel. We have received such a great gift that we are so thankful for to God. And yet this gift is not meant to be kept to ourselves. We want to share this gift with those around us. It is meant to be shared. God has created us to be a positive impact, an influential impact. We are called to live different but live righteous lives. And many times we are too quick to pull the trigger and just say, I'm out of here. I don't want to be here. I'm just going to live and do my own thing. Um, There's a quote that I want to share with us, and it says, Your doctrine and theology can be excellent, but if you don't grasp the interests and the longings of those around you, or worse, you just don't care about them, you will not be able to scratch where they itch. It doesn't matter how much Bible you know, it doesn't matter how much you serve, if you don't grasp the interest, the longings, or even love the people around you, it is meaningless. That means nothing. Um, you know, I was, uh, I was watching a, a message and uh, there is this Christian rapper named Lecrae and he was talking about this, this very idea as well of engaging culture. And so he was telling a story about how, you know, he lives in Atlanta, Georgia, and he's just in, at the park with his kids, and he just noticed different things around in that area. Um, he saw in one corner, you know, fights breaking out. He saw in another corner maybe some people selling drugs. He saw in another corner two men kissing. And as a parent, you would think, oh man, this is not a safe place for my kids. I got to take them out and take them somewhere else. But he said later that something was, that stuck out to me was he said he was grateful to be there. He wanted to be there. He needed to be there. He wanted to know that, you know, as a believer in Christ, I want to show that even though this is what the culture is about these days, I am not going to step back and disengage. I just want to be there where the people are know them for who they are, love them where they are, so that in the end, so that they may know the love of Jesus. And so my, some of the, I have some questions for us to really, uh, I want us to ask ourselves is, what do people talk about today? What are some things we talk about or discuss in our culture? What do people listen to today? What are some issues or current events that are going on in our world today? And at the same time, as Christians, what is our stance on certain issues, certain beliefs? How do we hold to God's word and yet engage culture in a loving way? And it's not, it's just more than voicing our uh, discomforts, but it's more about how we can engage and build relationships with those around us. And I know many of us, you know, we're parents and I You know, I'm not a parent, but I can only imagine um, some of the thoughts uh, you parents have for your children, kind of wondering where they're growing up, what they're hearing at at their schools from other people, and it's a very daunting task almost uh, to really be able to keep them and really share with them in their faith, but how are we teaching them to really engage culture as well? Not just teaching them the word of God so that they can just be in their own bubbles as Christians. But how are they using their faith and utilizing their faith to really engage where they are? I think many students here as well, as you're growing up, as you're going to school, meeting different people. There are going to be many times where we're going to be met with different people with different beliefs and different ideas. And we're going to struggle and we're going to wrestle at times where we even stand on those issues and and, and those opinions and ideas. But I think these are even the moments where we just don't act out of fear, but we act in faith, standing firm in God's word and what we believe in. And knowing that when we engage culture, it's not so much about being right or being correct or winning an argument, but at the end, how are we showing the love of Christ in our day-to-day walk. And so that is my challenge for uh, all of us. How are we, as you leave this building, when you go outside of church, when you go back to work, meet with different people, how are we engaging culture today? What is going on in our culture? And how are we engaging culture today for ourselves? And that is my challenge for us as we close. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. And God, we recognize many times in our lives there's a lot of fear and discomfort when it comes to engaging our culture. We see what's going on in our world, we see what's happening. And many times when we see these things, when we hear about these things, read about these things, we get very fearful get very afraid and sometimes our response at is to just disengage and run away and just be somewhere safe lord jesus we just ask that you give us encouragement give us strength give us boldness and courage to really step outside of our comfort zones to really engage our culture to know what the people are talking about what they believe in what they think building relationships that, in the end, where we can really show the love of Jesus in our day-to-day walk. Help us to not be afraid. Give us courage. Give us encouragement. And, God, we know that all these things that we do for you is not for ourselves, but we do this for your glory. And, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you for this time. And we pray this all in your son's precious name. Amen.